My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you gotta keep moving, you gotta stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. trust the process and just be persistent. You already know that next level results require next level effort, period. But why is today different than any other day? What's your why? How are you gonna get to the next level? See, most of you wanna make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices. Let me be clear. Nobody said it was gonna be easy. No handouts, no excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake-up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm-up for this moment right here, today. Are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action. Just be better. Just be more. Be more today. October is National Physical Therapy Month. At JAG Physical Therapy, we want to make sure everybody understands that our physical therapists aren't just there for you when you get hurt. They can help you biomechanically to prevent injury as well. Our experienced physical therapists understand that it's about the patient first, providing outcome-based, research-based, and evidence-based care. Come see our physical therapists at one of our 130 plus locations. Get back the life you love with JAG Physical Therapy. For more information, visit JAGPT.com. That's JAGPT.com. Welcome to the Be More Today Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our show today. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sean Thomas.
What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas here, back in the building with the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back, and we are here still in the month of October, celebrating all the PTs around the world for PT Month. It's been a great month with some amazing clinicians coming to the stage. And today I have a guest who is also very near and dear to my heart. Before I get into that, Be More Today, as you know, is a movement. We've been doing everything for the last four years. BeMoreStay.com is that thing for my book, for our more merch store. Uh, those of you who are trying to get into the marathon season, which is here, we're in it. We're in it right now. Uh, I'm your coach for many things. So if you have any questions about running things in general, BeMoreStay.com is your site for that. And of course, you can follow us on BeMoreStay.com, BeMoreStay underscore show, BeMoreStay underscore PT on Instagram, and your boy right here at Dr. Sean Thomas on all major platforms, the Spotify channel is growing every single day and our show now is heard in 80 countries over 52,000 downloads again thanks to your love and support for continuing to put be more today on the map i appreciate you it does not go unnoticed my quote for today is simple as always just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot done don't confuse movement with Progress by Denzel Washington. This has been a year filled with many, many things. And if you're like me, Be More Today is a mantra that we talk about for so many things and you want to go out there and get things done. And sometimes we feel like we're doing like a lot of things. We have these lists and we're going through these lists and we're trying to get all these things done and we're so focused on getting these things done. But we look back and we say, well, what did I really do? Did I really make a difference? Did I make a change? Uh, I'm moving around a lot, but was there progress in that thing? And I think sometimes, even as clinicians, talking about PT month, you know, we get so caught up in sometimes sharing things with patients and doing certain things, but there's no real progress. We're just doing exercises sometimes, but there's no real movement, no progress for those things. I even think about the way that our structures are, are created, right? Talking about PT practices and whatnot. And we're looking to make change in our communities and um mm -hmm with our patients and our families. And we have all these ideas, right? We have all these things that we're trying to do, vision boards or whatever else. And there's a lot of movement, but there's no real progress in terms of actually changing people's lives or, or moving the, the dial forward. And Denzel's saying it very, very clearly, don't confuse movement with progress. You want to be able to move, but also see some improvements, see some change, see some growth, see some strength uh, improvements. And if you're not doing that, then you got to reassess your movements. And my guest for the show today is someone who helps companies and other businesses do that same thing. He assesses to make sure that there's movement, but there's also progress. And his name is Safir Jenkins. Now, he is the VP of what we call at Jaguar Physical Therapy, People Operations, a passionate man about driving transformative change and innovation within the realm of human resources. Safir Jenkins is an accomplished HR executive with a proven track record for delivering strategic solutions that elevate organizations to new heights with a keen understanding of the evolving landscape of talent management, employee engagement, and organizational development. He thrives in creating forward-thinking strategies that align with business objectives and foster a culture of growth and excellence. Leveraging his expertise in HR technology, data-driven insights, and collaborative leadership, Sophia successfully orchestrates impactful initiatives enhance employee experiences, optimize processes, and drive sustainable business results. Committed to staying at the forefront of industry trends, he continuously seeks out innovative approaches and best practices to revolutionize traditional HR practices and unlock the full potential of human capital. 
He is recognized as a visionary HR executive dedicated to empowering organizations to thrive in the face of change and has expertise in a number of things from employee engagement, employee retention, talent management and acquisition, total rewards, workforce planning and management, payroll benefits administration, operational excellence, HR technology optimization, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. He is our guest for this week's show. And we're talking about PT Month, but there are so many things that incorporate that. We talk about the behind the scenes movement and changing the face of the PT profession. So my guest for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage, our VP of People Operations at Jago Physical Therapy, Sophia Jenkins. Sophia, what is going on? Dr. Sean, all I can say is I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm very grateful for the extension of that invitation. Uh, moreover, the introduction that you just provided certainly speaks volumes, and I, I appreciate your willingness to host me today. What's going on? Life and so much more, <laughs> and all of that is entailed therein. Uh, but I'm really glad to be here and looking forward to our dialogue. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, I, I haven't had a chance to meet you face-to-face -face yet. We've had a couple of virtual interactions and you know that's just the way that work the you know the world works and whatever else and it's great but i do know that i've seen you working behind the scenes in the trenches for months now doing a number of things to change the face of our company and i gotta say i'm very impressed and very very happy to see that your initiatives are proven to be noteworthy they're proven to be um forward thinking as your bio says and changing the face of of our organization in a positive way. So I thank you for that in advance. And I'm excited to see where else we're going to be going into. And hopefully today we can get into a little bit about that for the listeners who are listening about Jaguar PT and about people who are just in PT in general, because HR is a critical portion of how we operate. And mm -hmm. I think even in your bio, you said that you're changing the or revolutionary or revolutionizing the traditional HR practices, which can very much be somewhat um dated. We're yeah, talking yeah. about the, the new way that things are happening in the world. So I'm excited to hear some of your thoughts today. Um, so listen, I, I, I know that your role is in the VP, um, of what we call now people relations. And I, I, I got an email saying that we changed the name of this from uh, human resources to people relations. Can you explain to the listeners what sparked the change? In terms yeah, of yeah, definitely. Um, so HR in general, is really ascribed to this model of administrative support, right? There are some fundamental differences between human resources and people operations as it relates to the philosophy and the approach between the two. So one particular area is the focus of these two groups, right? So traditionally, HR groups are often tasked with managing administrative tasks such as payroll, benefits, compliance with labor laws, and things of that nature. The focus of HR is usually on managing risk, protecting the company, ensuring adherence to regulations and even company policies. But people operations is, is a bit more strategic, and I would even suffice it to say holistic in its approach because through a people operations lens, we focus on every aspect of an employee's experience at the company, 
what makes that employee who they are and what supports do they need to survive and thrive in this environment. So this involves not only administrative tasks, but also initiatives that boost employee engagement, their satisfaction, and their productivity. And, and we touch on things like culture and engagement, making sure there's a strong emphasis on the culture of the company that not only meets the needs of today, but is flexible and uh, adaptable enough to meet the needs of tomorrow. It has to be scalable solutions that we foster in that regard. And this involves initiatives like improving work-life balance, often a term that's thrown around. It's, it's almost stigmatized at this point, mm -hmm. uh, but really we do so by really understanding and, and really seeking to partner with our employees to make sure that life doesn't get in the way, but instead is met head on with support from their organization. And so it's a community more than an employer employee relationship. Uh, we also incorporate things like professional development opportunities. We're broadening our employee recognition programs. We use data to make decisions rather than being stringent and, and very restrictive in our approach to policy making. We instead leverage data insights informed by our employees' perspectives to then foster policies that make the environment conducive to operational excellence and employee well-being. That's big. You know, I, I think that I take a number of things from that. Um, I think the cultural shift in terms of just the language of it is huge. And I think that lets employees like me um, see that it's bigger than just if I need help, I'll reach out, you know, because usually HR is, well, there's a problem. Let me call HR and see what's going on, right? But you're right. talking about this now in terms of a collective, like you said, community where, yes, if you need us, we're here for all of your everyday needs, but we're also here to make sure that you feel seen, you feel like you're uh, appreciated, you feel like there is a, still a space for us to connect, even though you might not need us for emergencies, but now we're just talking about fostering culture, fostering things that will continue to let people feel like they're appreciated and that what they're doing here work-wise is not just a nine to five clock in clock out, but more like a really community of people who are coming together to inspire others to do well in terms of whatever they want to do outside of work even. And, and that's big to me because I think a lot of companies in general, I, I talk more about PT and, and healthcare professionals. There's not that sense of that. HR is really just a word that's thrown out there when there's a problem. Patient, oh, patient comes in, there's an issue. Oh, you, you got to fill out an incident report, make sure you call HR. And that that's pretty much like what HR was or ha has been, I think, for a number of people. And in the 13 years that I've been practicing, it was always that same kind of stringent, small contingent that, oh, well, HR is there in case anything goes down. But besides that, you know, you're okay. Or if you want time off or, time, you know, paid leave, whatever else, contact them for that. But you're still yeah. talking about it in a greater scheme, which I, to me makes it very, very um, inclusive. And I think that that's a great thing, especially in these times and days, which is awesome. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I've never had a sadder moment than the time I went to visit the clinic um, throughout my career. And I was met with a sense of anxiety because HR was in the building. And, you know, that itself is inherent to the problems that exist. 
Mm-hmm. But when you have an environment that paints HR as the bad cop, <laughs> it really elicits a sense of, uh, I would call it the imposter syndrome, where mm-hmm. folks don't have a sense of belonging. And mm-hmm. really, that's what we want. We want people to know they belong here at this company. And this company is better because you are here. So uh, that can only happen when the lens changes and we begin to operate in a way that puts people first. Yeah, completely agree. You know, it's funny. I, I think about um, my wife's an attorney. So she she we have very different jobs in terms of our, our clientele. You know, it's just very different in general. Um, and she does criminal defense. So it's like a whole different spectrum of like people that we interact with. But uh, on her job, they're talking a lot about um, cultural uh, inclusion, diversity, you know, the terms that I think every company is now integrating into their lives, DEIB stuff, you know, everything. And of course, schools have been talking about it for a long time, but now it's really seeping into corporations, organizations. And everyone has some kind of diversity, equity, inclusion person on their staff. And, you know, I was selected um, about a year and a half ago. I was our director of community engagement and inclusion for our job before you came on. And now that you're here, I'm super excited because we can do so many more things together with um, diversity, inclusion, and with your background and so many great things. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I feel like a number of healthcare professionals struggle with this when it comes to diversity in the healthcare realm, because in schools, it's one thing, right? If you're talking about affirmative action or whatever else, whatever else we're trying to do to make sure that the, the scope of students in an organization or institution is different, that's one thing. When it comes to healthcare, it can sometimes be tricky. And I think, you know, the, the conversations come up about what diversity really means in terms of either hiring or in terms of what uh, an office may look like in terms of the staffing. Um, I only say this because there are a number of times when even, even as I've been a therapist for the last 12 years, uh, every office has a, not an issue, but a, a sense of cultural competency that is involved wherever you go. And whether you're treating in Brooklyn, New York, where I treat, or treating in Jersey or Staten Island, every office, although we're all Jag ones, are very, very different. Clientels are different. Um, the culture is different, right? And sometimes the cultural norms are different from place to place. Even though the treatment that we're giving is the same, the cultural norms may be different. So we've had people sometimes complain about music and they'll say, oh, this music is not, this is not good music. And that can sometimes be like a cultural um, objective thing, right? Because if someone doesn't like country music, they may see that as, well, this is bad music. But if someone loves country music, then this is great music. And it's those kind of things that, you know, as we talk about cultural diversity and, and whatever else, I think a lot of people get into, not debates, but they get into conversations about what is cultural inclusion? What, how, how do you teach staff? Um, cultural knowledge and, and and how do you move forward so that no matter where you go, the competency when it comes to cultural understanding is something that everyone has on the forefront of their minds. Because as clinicians, yes, we do treat, but there is a certain level of cultural competency that has to be there, especially when you're talking about places like NYC, where the culture is so diverse. You know, mm-hmm. there are people coming in from various places. So I'm curious, as we're talking about HR and people relations, what are some of the things that you and your team are going to be doing or have done to make sure that we as clinicians are at the forefront of our cultural competencies so that, you know, if someone comes in different race, different background, different, whatever, 
we as clinicians have all the tools that we need to make sure that we're given the highest quality of care, but also the highest cultural competency that they deserve as they come to see us for their services. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, and, and the reason that it resonates with me so much is because of the fact that something you said highlights a significant opportunity. And, and that really is when you talk about how you might see a lot of DEI efforts at work in other industries, but oftentimes they are either missing or are emerging in healthcare and particularly in physical therapy. That, that for me presents an opportunity for a number of reasons. One, because as a practice, as a business, our clients, our the patients that come to see us are of every background. And they are very diverse by virtue of the fact that we are in areas where, as you've stated, the melting pot is on full display. So it's all the more important that as a company and as a culture that we're developing, that we foster an environment where cultural competency is the norm. So for starters, our people operations organization here at JAG1, we are deeply committed to bolstering a successful DEI set of initiatives at the company. But to do so, we're establishing a framework for diversity advocacy mm -hmm. so that we can actually weave diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity into all of our people practices, company policies, and even the way that we work as a collective. So this involves things like creating and enforcing policies that encourage the hiring and the retention of employees from diverse backgrounds. Of course, it also includes learning and development, making sure that we're teaching and training our leaders throughout the company. And by leader, I mean a leader at every level. So you don't have to manage people to still be a leader in the company. And that's an important distinction to both note and to live by because wherever you are and whatever role that you occupy, you still have the capacity and even, I'd surmise to say, the responsibility to lead and lead effectively. So you might oversee diversity training programs. You're going to see how we educate employees about the benefits of a diverse workforce. But cultural competency is going to be woven throughout all of these initiatives because to be accepting and to be respecting of the differences that you might observe between yourself and others with something as simple as music to something as vast as religious observances, it then creates an environment where people can be free to be themselves wholly and entirely without reservation. And so that's why our solutions are really seeking to drive these efforts even in our PT world and beyond. Uh, and that includes things like partnering with affinity groups. Uh, we're working to establish some affinity groups in the company so that individuals who have um, like-mindedness or perhaps some shared experiences can join a group together. And that will be something that they leverage to relate one to another, but then, because again, we're talking about diversity advocacy, they will be empowered with the ability to pour forth proposals to enhance the way that we operate and the policies that we have so that we can continue to broaden and strengthen 
and even scale the diversity of work that's underway. And lastly, of course, this training and development, making sure that employees understand the value that diversity, equity, and inclusion can bring. Because there are myths that exist out there that diversity, equity, inclusion only benefit the groups who were traditionally uh, underrepresented, when in reality, diversity benefits every employee throughout the company because it gives us all the opportunity to grow and to learn of others' cultures so that we can better relate one with another and make for a more meaningful workspace and world around us. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we learn so much from each other. And I, I do think that sometimes um, that that bilateral growth sharing is not always um, highlighted. And, it, and it's true. We can learn so much from others and they can learn so much from us and vice versa, no matter what work, walk you are from. And, and that's really the key to it. I've learned so much from my patients who um, were of different backgrounds, who shared everything from from food to, you know, religious observances to experience with family, all those different things, just by storytelling. And it's something that we can definitely share with each other. I mean, some of the ways I, as a clinician, treat have sometimes been through trial and error, right? Trying to understand what worked what didn't work with certain people. But as you learn those things, and as you said, as employees are instructed and, 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 and shown certain things, then they can make sure that they're doing the things the right way in the right cultural background that they need to for certain demographics and people. So I think it's great that you're doing these things. And I think that the, again, forward thinking is something that we really haven't seen when it comes to physical therapy. It's, it's been somewhat of a growing profession for the last number of years, which is fantastic. But now as, especially our company growing to um, bigger numbers in, in the last couple of years, as others have grown out of COVID as well, I think it's even more imperative for us to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And, you know, I, I think for me, it's, it's funny because I, I have a number of times been um, observing our patients and, and my patients in my clinic. And one of the things that comes up a number of times is um, race. And a number of people have come into our clinic and assumed that, and I've been there for, you know, 12 years, assume that someone else was the director based on their skin color. Yeah. A number of times. And I these are things that never ever ever really bother me because you know I, I've I've been to a number of schools where I was the minority in, in a number of places. So that was never really an, an issue for me personally. Um, but it's always funny that there's some of these myths that still exist that you know we think that someone who runs something looks a certain way, or someone who is in charge of something has to look a certain way. Um, and I think us having these conversations with our staff helps them to understand that although we're we will do, be doing these things to make sure that we're on the same page. Even in all those things, there may still be situations when someone says something that is not culturally competent. Someone says something that is not in the realm of what we're trying to do as a company. And how do you respond to those things in a proper manner? Because even as staff, sometimes, you know, there are certain things that are said that may just be said in, in jest, but they can offend somebody. And um, I think us learning from each other about how to respond to those things makes us better clinicians and a better company as well. So I'm looking forward to these things that you're you're talking about. And I hope it does make us stronger as a company in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, what one good point that you bring up there is the willingness and the opportunity that we all have to respond when these things occur. Um, it's important that we train all of our staff 
to be equipped with tools to be able to respond effectively, right? We want to encourage open dialogue, but we also want to give them tools to be able to reach that person because it is a learning opportunity. You know, we are we are all really a collection of experiences that have arrived at this present moment. And if if we don't remain flexible to be able to learn how to perhaps adjust where necessary, then we will be stagnant and incapable of really occupying spaces as the world around us continues to diversify. Yeah. So as a company and, and as a leader of this people operations organization here at JAG1, I know wholeheartedly and I certainly wear it with all honor that it's my responsibility to lead in that way to make sure that we are really moving the dial toward justice, equity, belonging, all of those different facets of diversity. Because in reality, we all are just one. And that's the only way that we can survive and thrive together. Yeah. I I, I often um equate my office and every office we have in Jag One as not places of faith, uh, because you know we don't we don't do that clearly, but it's the same kind of concept as a as a as a safe haven, a safe place, right? Whether you're talking about a church or a synagogue or a mosque, whatever you're talking about, it's that same kind of premise. Someone comes in, they have a problem. And we as clinicians, from our team, from our PCCs, which are our uh, front office uh, representatives, to our aides who help us out with clients, to our therapists, it's literally a, a revolving door of helpers that are trying mm. to get someone to make sure that their experience, whatever, with their pain, with their issue, whatever, is going to be taken seriously and will be given to them an experience that's going to be helpful to them in in the long run. And the same way you go to a place of faith and you you go in there looking for answers or or solutions to your problem, it's the same kind of concept when I think about our clinics and people should be able to look for these places in our communities because now that we are pretty much everywhere, the same way that places of faith are pretty much everywhere, right? Someone should be able to walk into any of our locations and know that their experience is going to be at, at a high level in terms of cultural competency, in terms of love, in terms of understanding, in terms of clinical competency, clearly, but also just making sure that, you know, if someone only speaks Spanish, they're going to be able to go in there and still have a great experience, either with someone who speaks Spanish like them or with someone who knows how to communicate with someone who also might not speak Spanish, but can at least get the, the concepts through enough to get yeah. through their sessions. And I think that's what, at least as a clinician who's been practicing for you know a number of years, that's what I've tried to do to make sure that no matter what happens, whoever walks in the door, doesn't matter to me where they're from, what they look like, what they believe in, politics, none of that stuff matters. Our job is to make sure they get better, they feel special, and we solve their problem when they walk in and walk out. And sometimes people say the craziest things, but that's never really for us to even really address. And I think a lot of our newer clinicians have a hard time with that because today's society is so based on being reactive. Yeah. Well, this is how well, this person said this to me. And well, okay, hold on a second. Well, they may have said it to you for a number of reasons. Maybe they didn't know what they were talking about. Maybe they didn't know what you were talking about. Maybe they don't understand the propensity of what's actually happening. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they're angry because they're so much in so much pain. Maybe, you know, there are all these different reasons. And I think that we, as staff members, need to be a little more cognizant of those things and be able to not be reactive, but proactive in terms of being able to respond to them the right way. So, you know, I, I think that HR has, and people relations has a great um, task in terms of sharing all of these things with all of our staff members because the the realm or I guess the the 
the the span or the or the, the 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 bandwidth of our clinicians from those who've been treating for years on end to those who are maybe like a year or two out of school is very very different. You're talking about maybe like a thirty or forty years age gap. That's that's a big gap for us to educate on all of these different things in terms of what's happening now in terms of what's been happening for the last you know thirty or forty years. So um, one thing that comes to mind is that I think the um, the the concept of cultural competency, I guess cultural days has also come up in people's people's lives, right? There's so many new holidays that have come up in terms of um, Juneteenth and other holidays that are now new holidays that weren't really holidays in the past, but now they are becoming more and more accepted federally and now they're here. And a number of people across our country are now implementing these days into their lives where they're giving people like PTO days or cultural days off just to say, you know what? This is the day for you just to go out there and enjoy your culture as is. And I was curious if you thought that, or what you thought about these things, because they, when it comes to healthcare, have not always been the first thing for us to jump on. Most likely yeah, because yeah. we're open and people are usually home when um, we should be treating them on these certain days. So, you know, what what are your thoughts in terms of these these new cultural days that are happening around the country and how it fits, if at all? into the healthcare spectrum. Yeah, I think that healthcare is a prime example for them to fit into uh, as an industry and even operationally as the spectrum of services that we provide. The ability to incorporate these cultural days off, um, which might fall into a generalized bucket, but reserved for personal use uh, is of utmost importance. And really, if you think about it, if we diversify enough, we won't really have as adverse of an impact when people take time off because we'll have enough individuals that are different enough that they're not all celebrating the same holiday anyway. Right. You know, so that's one of the concerns that often you meet and face when you introduce these types of ideas. And I always prepare with that very answer <laughs> to let them know that, well, if this is really that concerning and if this really is realistic of enough of an outcome, then it just means that we're not doing our job at mm -hmm. attracting and hiring diverse people to work yeah. in our workforce. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. So what do you think are better ways that, not better ways, but more effective ways that you know the people operations group can go about hiring in more diverse areas or bringing on more diverse people to our company. And I, I mean, not just therapists, I'm talking everyone from PCCs to our aides, to our clinicians, even to like ad administrators. Um, Cause I think that sometimes the, the scale in terms of diversity is, is very, very vast in, in terms of certain demographics, right? When we talk about our aides, our aides are, are a little more diverse than our PCCs and our clinicians are a little less diverse than both of those groups, just in terms of like the overall company. And, and this is me just looking at our company and looking at companies over, overall in general. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on ways that we can be a little more effective in terms of bringing in a more diverse group of employees for our company? Yeah, yeah, I would say that that approach has to be two-pronged. Uh, one, of course, we have to make sure that people managers Hiring managers are equipped with the tools necessary uh, and the cultural competency trainings necessary to be able to 
see the skills and the benefits of hiring diverse individuals um, apart from any biases that they might traditionally or inherently possess. Mm. And so that, that of course, is a big lift, but it's it's not something that is so significant that it's impossible. So it can be done. That's, that is work that is underway now. And we actually are deploying a set of trainings throughout the year because it will be a continuous opportunity for improvement, right? We never want to assume that we've arrived or that we've achieved so much that there's not more to do. And so right. we're, we're going to foster this environment called manager essentials, where we're covering these topics along with others operationally and practice-wise. But we're going to cover these topics to ensure that those hiring managers are equipped. We're also, for the other prong, going to go undergo job board optimization work, where we make sure that our postings in partnership with community organizations um, and educational institutions that educate diverse populations, we're partnering with them to make sure that our jobs are posted and that they are given inroads to be able to put forth candidates that would be qualified and could be considered for employment. By taking both of those approaches, we will be able to close the gap that exists today where we see diversity with some roles within the company, but not others. Uh, and that's why I talk about the educational institutions because to your point, it's the credentialed uh, doctors um, and some of the other roles as well where we really see the most opportunity to infuse these diversity efforts. And so I, I think that's gonna have tremendous impact and it's only gonna work, however, with the partnership of colleagues and leaders like yourself around the company so that we can really foster that change at every level. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I do agree that it will take uh, the, the us <laughs> to help with, with pushing that forward. I only say that because so I, I think a number of, of us who are in, involved in community-based um, networks and linkages do that already, but it's right. not enough, right? So I have a number of contacts that I have with Brooklyn College and some of the schools in the area. And for the last number of years, I've always had interns coming in from, from high schools just to come and learn about what we do. Um, some of them came in and learned about the PT realm. Some of them came in and wanted to be in the front looking operation. Some of them wanted to just um, be aides and they came on as aides after and worked with us. And, and that cycle continued and they got college credit and it was great. But I do think that, you know, there aren't enough people doing those things. And, you know, you mentioned in your bio that you have a good um, history in terms of employee engagement. And I've been looking at the last number of years that my involvement with community engagement. And I think those two things are similar, but they are different. Um, and I was curious your thoughts on, you said, you know, it takes a lot of us to buy into the, the bringing in of others and to share our skill set with our communities. But at the same time, we have to go out there and bring that also outside of our offices to the communities. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you have to make sure that you have people who are in your company who are going to be engaged enough to want to do that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, what, do, what are your thoughts on trying to find ways to engage our employees to want to go out there and give back? Because I've yeah, found, yeah. I found in my experience in the last year and a half doing this particular role, that those who love to do it, love to do it. Those who love to give back, who love to teach, who love to give back to the community in any realm, 
are all about it and they'll do whatever it takes to move mountains to do those things. And there are some, and this is not a slight to anyone, but there are some who are just, you know what? I'm going to do my nine to five and I'm going to go home and take care of my family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that if we're talking about trying to find ways to do all these different things, to work on engagement, to work on diversity, to work on bringing about these changes, they're not going to be able to always happen during our 40 hour work week because yeah, there's yeah. so many things already happening during a 40 hour work week. So, you know, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the differences between employee engagement and community engagement? And how can we fuse those things together to make sure that we can get all these things done? Yeah, well, generally speaking, I break the workforce into three different groups as it relates to this topic, right? You have those employees who are fully engaged with their community, uh, driving change and giving back in ways that many of us can't even fathom. Uh, then you'll have your second tier of individuals who take the opportunity when they're really passionate about a topic, they'll get engaged. That might be more intermittent in nature. It might not be as frequent, but it still is an opportunity that can be leveraged to advance community engagement efforts. Uh, and then you'll have those employees that are in our workforce who have a sense of disengagement, both with their communities and as an employee here within the company. So to me, it's all about finding, identifying, and respecting that intersectionality between employee engagement and community engagement. Because when you do that, employee engagement is community engagement. You know, all those opportunities where anyone in those three groups are engaging with their community, if we're leveraging that to our advantage and we're smart about the way that we do so, then we have opportunity to influence the way they're engaged in their community and leverage that engagement so that as a company, we have a greater impact because we're supporting them and their efforts while they are also representing the company at large. So employee engagement is also the conduit by which we more effectively engage the community at large. So it's at this intersection of employee community engagement that we make the biggest impact. And those areas vary in a number of ways. One is with shared values. So we wanna make sure our, our company's values align with that of our employees. So while we have a set of values today, and many I think are gonna be lasting, we do have opportunity that we're taking now to enhance them so that they better reflect our workforce in general. And then that's going to continue to drive our engagement on both fronts. Then of course, there's corporate social responsibility. Now this is a term that I think is often left out of the conversation when it comes to healthcare and probably more specifically within the physical therapy world. And this is something that we're introducing and we are going to revolutionize as a company because taking corporate social responsibility means that we are respecting the communities in which we work and we're going to take care to make sure that that community continues to thrive and that we don't inadvertently or intentionally impact it adversely. Uh, and so those programs are going to involve employees doing community service, boosting both employee and community engagement, again, at that intersectionality. Uh, we're going to be promoting and, and really encouraging employees to partake in our employee volunteer programs. Uh, it's my hope that I can get the clearance necessary to even provide time off for employees who already do volunteer work, uh, limited, of course, in scope 
but certainly something that will allow for us to increase the numbers of volunteer hours that we put forth on an annual basis, thereby again, positively impacting and supporting the communities that we serve. And then of course, using those partnerships that I just talked about a short while ago with local organizations to provide the employees a sense of hope, a sense of purpose and enhancing their engagement and benefiting their personal communities and ours as a company at large. Uh, and then of course, sustainability, and it all goes right back to the culture that we maintain here as a company for our workforce. Mm -hmm. In short, you know, engaged employees are always more likely to participate in community efforts. And when we give them the opportunity to do so, they'll have a stronger community presence, which then just boosts employee engagement and well-being. So it, it benefits us inherently, and there's not much that we have to do to make that happen. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's very exciting. I, I think the the take home for me is that you're or we are really trying to make sure that we get to a place where our company and the culture of our company is so strong that literally communities will know who we are, not just from what we're doing inside, but also what we're doing on the outside. That's and right. that's why I also mentioned from, from the beginning that, you know, I I've always envisioned our offices and our clinics being little little places of hope, you know, whether they're gonna be um places that are in hope in various communities because some communities have a number of different clinics within miles of each other or just that one beacon of hope, beacon of light that will be there, you know, for your physical needs as well as your community needs, whether it's giving a presentation on fall risk prevention or or just helping with someone to get some things done in terms of maybe they need someone to help carry groceries for the elderly, you know, four days a week. You can have AIDS be doing that, uh, you know, a couple of days at a certain grocery store. Those kind of things that seems so basic, but they can really be things that change the scope of, of, of practice, really. And they can, again, not just drive referrals to us, because that's always a great thing, but also just allow us to be seen as a company in an office that just goes above and beyond what's happening on the inside. We're actually on the outside as well. So I'm excited, Sapir. Those sound like great initiatives, and it sounds like you and the team are on, uh, like you said, that track to make sure we change the face of, of empowering organization to be better. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show today because I knew, I knew that you were the guy for this. And um, I'm excited uh, for a number of reasons, but I'm more excited because the cultural shift that I think needs to happen in healthcare is starting with us. And a number of organizations, as I've looked around, are, are, are just still not doing these things. But we as physical therapists or physical therapy company, the fact that we're doing this at this level, I know it's only the beginning, is super exciting. And I noticed it initially when you had put out your email about setting goals, which was months ago. But I, I knew from then, I said, well, this is exactly what I like to do, talking about everyone being able to set their own goals and those goals being the standard, not just for clinicians, but for everyone who's going to be a part of this team. And I think that, that the goal setting um, push that you've, you've set before us is, is paying off and you're, you're planting seeds that will, I, I do believe at some point in time, really be able to, to grow and prosper for our company. So I salute you, sir. I salute you big time. I absolutely have to give you a wholehearted thank you for that. I certainly have gotten my share of feedback as it relates to goal setting. Uh, you know, there was, of course, a reluctance for some individuals because it represents change and change can be difficult. Uh, and 
I was very pleased though, that on the back end of everything, after everyone had gone through the process, the reports changed. Everyone was very pleased with how well it turned out, how easy and simple it was to execute and really how rich of an experience it brought for them and their staff. And I think that that is really one of the ways that will begin to impact change. It's not really all of these things that we've discussed on today, they're pretty big in nature, but it's those small incremental steps that we take toward each of these goals that give us the biggest bang for our buck. That's where we push that dial forward and impact change in a significant way. And it's very powerful when we are able to do that and do it together. Yeah. So I am definitely looking forward uh, to working more with leaders like yourself, partnering and making sure that as we make these advancements, as we make these changes, we don't lose our identity, but we take our identity to advance the initiatives so that we actually become better. Yeah, yeah. Sophia, there's a, a phrase that I use and it's, it's called Be More Today. Clearly it's been on the show. It's, it's the mantra for so many things. And I ask everyone on the show when they hear that phrase, what it means to them, because it can be something different for everybody. So I'm going to yeah. ask you, you are the 134th person that I've asked this question to you. So Sapir Jenkins, when you hear the phrase, be more today, what does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, I, that's a, a great question. Really, for me, it invokes a sense of urgency, right? Be more today, to me, is all about seizing the opportunity, not that it's far off, but that is right in front of you so that you can make a difference right where you are. Uh, I think that it's important that regardless of our occupation within the company or even our lot in life, that we define our purpose as an individual and we focus on the causes that matter most to us. It, it's then that we should take steps to educate ourselves, to close the gap on any opportunities that might exist so that we can impact change and go after the goals we've established. And then take the opportunity to volunteer, support sustainable practices. But as a company, as a professional, take, make the most use of the opportunities that you have to really build a bridge, a bridge not only to tomorrow for yourself and for your practice, but a bridge between you and the person next to you so that they know that you are not there simply and merely for selfish gain, but that you can be a resource and support to them thereby changing the world one life one conversation and one opportunity at a time all right now that might be the best <laughs> answer i've ever heard i'm not gonna lie to you you've had many people answer this question over the last four years that might be in the top three i'm not gonna lie to you i think you made the record books just now well thank you thank you we should <laughs> put that in a book someplace <laughs> <laughs> listen you, you you could have gone a number of places um you know, just based on your expertise and 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 listening to uh, your passion, you're not a typical HR executive. Um, I've met a number of them, and, and that is not you. So I'm kind of curious two things. One, I'm kind of curious uh, why you chose to come to JAG. Yeah. You could have gone anywhere else and done the same thing at a number of other PT places around, around the world. And in the spirit of PT Month, I'm curious why you came to us. And lastly, I wanted you just to share some thoughts or some advice you may have for other administrators who might not be as passionate as you are when it comes to pushing the dial for companies to be better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with the first question. Why JAG? 
that question, I think, has a simple yet compounded answer. Uh, the first would be because of the people. When I first learned about the opportunity, I began interviewing with the people that represented the company. I got a sense of pride. I saw a sense of, of purpose, but I also saw a sense of anticipation to be better and to do better. Uh, they were already making tremendous progress with all that they have already amassed over the years. But because the company grew so quickly uh, and merged and acquired businesses and continued to grow so quickly, some of the work that could have otherwise been done when they were smaller needed to be done much more quickly upon my arrival or whoever would take this role. So I was glad to see that the willingness to put in the work was there, it was present. And that let me know that in all of my <laughs> wild ideas uh, and my big ticket items, they would not be lost on them. Uh, they would instead actually be met with optimism and support. So that was one primary reason I decided to come to JAG. Another is because of a colleague that I worked with uh, in the past came and in fact, I used to report directly into him um, and he's our CFO, so that's Frank Bianco. And at the time when we worked together in the past, he always represented to me what it meant to lead not by example, not merely by uh, a stern hand or, or by professionals, but to lead with compassion. And that, of course, resonates with me today. There are still lessons that he taught me years ago that I still carry with me today and recall in the work that I do even now. So those two things serve to me as a confluence of purpose and reasons to jump on this opportunity without delay. That's exactly what I did. Mm. So I'm glad that I did, and I would not change it for the world. Mm. I'm glad you did too, sir. I'm glad you did too. <laughs> Any thoughts for other administrators who, again, are um, like yeah. you in terms of what they do, but but are not like you in terms of what they do? Any final uh, thoughts? Yeah, I would have to say, be relentless in your pursuit of excellence. Don't be afraid to be the differentiator when it's needed. Be an agent for change. Don't hide behind the excuses of the norms that might already exist. It's been done this way, so it always must be this way. Instead, leverage your expertise that you've garnered over the years and do something about what you see. There's something about fearlessness that will cause you to occupy spaces that you never thought possible. And so be unafraid to be fearless is what I would say. Mm -hmm. And on that note, folks, another episode of Be More Say Show is in the book. So, Peter Jenkins, thank you so much for making this one great for us. As we celebrate PT Month, you were the third guest in our series for October. And you've made this one, again, one for the book. So I appreciate you and look forward to all the things you've talked about, uh, the initiatives that are coming up down the pike. Uh, I look forward to being a part of those in any capacity possible. And I am excited for the journey. Thank you, Dr. Schmuck. No problem at all.
Yeah, man, I appreciate you. And folks, listen, there were so many things that he talked about. Oh my gosh, I hope you were taking notes. There were so many things that he talked about in terms of the journey, in terms of the cultural competency, in terms of the shift, and in terms of being fearlessly out there to not afraid to go out there and push the envelope, uh, to do things differently, to evoke change. And he's doing that. He's doing that for us at JAG and he's doing it for us on a bigger scale. And we're so happy to have him a part of our team. And if you're out there too, and you're either in the um, people relations environment or you're a clinician, just know that your job, your participation, your efforts do matter. Uh, and you are a part of the network of people who can go out there and make your communities better. Just like the, the, the Washington said, just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot more done. Don't confuse movement with progress. Let's move efficiently. Let's move effectively. Let's move in the right direction to make sure we're taking the change that we need to do seriously so that we can be better for our patients, uh, for our staff members, and for our community. And folks, we continue to celebrate PT Month next week with another guest. But until then, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life and continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Peace.